Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Hey, have you ever noticed that when you live in a house, it's never actually yours until you move, right? Because then when you move, it's the old Wilson house, right? And right now it's the old something else house. So I live in the old Crook house. Uh, Dan and Julie Crook lived in the house that we're in. So we live in the old Crook house, and it won't be ours until we move. Then it'll be the old Katie house, right? So this morning, we're talking about, like, buildings and structures, uh, and uh, I, wanna, I want to be clear. I want to be clear, because this, this thing we're going to talk about this morning is so muddied up in the church, and it's so muddied up by believers, no matter how many times we try to, seems like we try to teach about it and talk about it, we, we, just, we just keep getting it mixed up, and we keep getting it wrong. So in a little bit, we are going to recognize the people who were involved in the renovation of this room, and we're going to pray a, ded- we're going to pray a prayer of dedication over this place. But before we do that, I want us to look at some passages together. Um, but to be clear, to be clear, the buildings we worship in are not the church any more than the homes we live in are us. So my home isn't me. So like if you go to my house, that's not me, okay? Do I, I mean, I, do I have to tell you that? Like if I go to your house, the house isn't really you, right? Or is it? I mean, it's confusing because we come here to the church, right? And this is the church. We think that, but when you go to your house, you don't think your house is you, like eight or nine nights ago, I was in my house, which is actually my home, because I have other family members there, and I was sitting in the chair in the corner of the living room, and everyone else had been to bed, and I was doing something on my phone, which is what we all do, right, all the time, at least us younger people, and I noticed something out of the corner of my eye, and then I realized that there was this bat circling the dining room and the living room, the dining room and the living room. I said to my wife, I wish that there were a video running of me at the moment. I, I, I don't know. I tried to keep it down so I wouldn't wake up anybody down the hall, but these sounds were coming out of my mouth because I'm not like, you probably would get, all of you would get up with a baseball bat and you would just hit that thing against the wall and carry it out and throw it in the... It, it's not me. I'm not a bat person. Like most anything else, bats are not my thing. And I slithered off the chair onto the floor with guttural sounds coming out of my throat and crawled across the living room and grabbed a pillow off the couch. And I was down, and as it would go by, I would swing at it, and I would try to hit it. And two days later, my shoulder was so sore I could hardly lift my arm. I swung so many times trying to hit that thing. And then I remembered I have a, I have a sliding glass door in my living room that goes out onto this, like, three seasons room. So I, I, I backed, I crawled, and I, when it went down the hall, I got up quick and I went out. And I pulled the door shut. Now, we don't have any curtains on this thing. So it's this full, you know, pane of glass I'm standing behind. Now I'm big and bad, right? Now I can stand there and Watch the bat, you know, circling the room. Anyway, so I have a bat house. It's in there somewhere. I had never found it. I couldn't get to it. And I even had a bat guy, the Batman, come over. And look, and we looked. 
high and low. It's in there somewhere. We don't know where, but we know it's in there. But I'm not defined by the bat, and I'm not defined by my house. Like, I'm me, and I could, I'm still me now when I'm away from my house and I'm away from the bat at the bat house. There are more bats, by the way, and that somebody's coming to help me with that too, but they're there. They're up there. There's signs. There's a few of them, probably more than a few. Anyway, ugh, we don't want to talk about that. So we are the church. The church is us. The church is not a place. It's a people. The building where the church gathers is not her. We are the church, the body of Christ, um, the bride of Christ, the people of God. Where the family gathers, they can make a home. Without the family, it's just a house. It's not a home. The home is where the family is. And when the people of God gather, they form the church. And without the people, there's no church. Some years ago, my brother-in-law went to Iraq. And while he was in Iraq, my sister-in-law and her kids were alone. So my wife and kids went to my sister-in-law's house, which was about four hours away, and they stayed for a week. And while they were gone, it was just me in the house. And I realized this is not a home when the family is gone. It's just a house. And this place was never really the church, but it's not even close to being a church when the church isn't here. So the church is the people. So I'll tell you, we we get this wrong. We still get it wrong. This morning already we got it wrong. I'm going to pick on Paul Dawson for a minute, but it's, I mean, it's not Paul. It's it's everyone. It's all of us. There there was a, on the welcome video, there was an opening slide that shows the front of our building, right? The edifice. What does it say? Community Heights Church. Doggone it. It's not right. That's not right. This edifice isn't the church. But we do it all the time. It's just part of our culture. So we're swimming upstream against the current that tells us that the place is the church and we're not. So to be clear, to be clear, we are Christ's body. And we're just going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 one more time. Not all of it, but a part of it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Paul, you don't have to change that slide, at least not for a couple weeks. But eventually, we probably should change it. Um, but again, it's cultural. But I want us to think about it for a minute. It is cultural. And the culture keeps teaching us that we go to church and we leave church. So, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. How is it with Christ? Well, that's that's a long exposition. We could go weeks and weeks and talk about so it is with Christ. But it it, it involves us. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. So there's one body of Christ. Now this next phrase is so important. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. He He took the extreme... Um, versions of the day, Gentiles and Jews, slaves and free, 
And he says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So think about for you, and I, I don't know, I'm de- kind of defined by my upbringing. So I know for my dad and my mom what this was and that was. I won't speak it out loud in this room. And you know for your parents and how you were brought up what this person was on the exact opposite extreme, right? And Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians 12, it doesn't matter whether you're here or here, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. It goes, now we're in 1 Corinthians 12. Remember a month ago we were in 1 Corinthians 11? And we saw that when they got together for the Lord's Supper, they actually did more harm than good because they allowed the cultural divisions, the outside worldly divisions, the culture placed on them, they brought those in and they allowed those divisions to be present even when they gathered to share the body of Christ together in the Lord's Supper. And now we're just a, we're just a chapter later, we're just a little bit farther on down in Paul's letter to the Corinthians And he's saying it again, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Of the many, one, right? Of the many, one. And the illustration here is more than an illustration from Paul's day. Paul's hearers understood uh, in the culture of the day There were stories and there were teachings and there was talk about the different parts of the body and what is more important, right? The head or the foot? What is more important? You know, the hand or the stomach? And this feeds that, but but, but this fuels that. And, and, And in the culture of the day, they used the body as a teaching mechanism to understand how different things fit together and different people in different roles related to each other. So this was familiar to the Corinthians. So Paul goes on and he says, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You can't just say, I'm not part of the body. What is Paul teaching here to these people? You can't disconnect yourself. There's only one body, and each one of us is a part of it. But I don't want to be a part of the body with that part. It's too bad. (laughs) You can say that you're not the other part, and therefore you're not part of the body. It doesn't matter. You're part of the body. You're part of the body. Um, Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye... Where would the sense of hearing be? So the parts have different purposes, right? And each one has a unique and important purpose. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were a nose, where would the sense of hearing be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. So he calls us the body of Christ, and he says that he has placed us in the body, certain parts. Now, I don't know, some of you could tell stories right now. In the past year, you had a part of your body go bad, 
or have an issue, an injury or a problem or an illness. And you had to pick a doctor that treated that particular part of the body. And other parts the doctor doesn't treat. He or she doesn't know about the other parts like they know this one part of the body. Because this one part is important. And you know, you know it's important when you're having problems with it. Like we take for granted all the parts of our body except for those that are acting up. Except for those that are not functioning the way they should. And in fact, all the parts of our body are important. If our little finger's not working, we notice it. We use it. We use it all the time. But we don't think of it until it stops working. God has made us like that. He's made the people the body of Christ. And whether you're, you name it, which part of the body you are, you're important. We're important. We're part of not just a body, but the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. So we are the body of Christ, and we have worth and value assigned to us by God himself. That's why Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus could have, he could have stayed, and he could have done it all himself. I mean, he was pretty capable, you know. I mean, it doesn't look like he was. He gathered, you know, this small group, and so many deserted him. Then he dies on a cross, pretty much to the world's eyes, a failure. A failure as a leader, you know, a failure as an entrepreneur starting something new. But he left us. Tag, you're it. (laughs) You're it. We're it. We're the body of Christ. He left us. But he didn't leave us alone. The spirit and the glory of the living God dwells in us. The spirit and glory of the living God dwells in us. Hey, in the Old Testament, and this is where culturally it's been carried, of course, you know, just we're going to get it wrong. People are always going to get it wrong. Uh, given an opportunity, we'll always get it wrong. But we've, we carry the Old Testament tradition into our current, our current setup. And the, the glory of God dwelt in the tabernacle. It dwelt um, in that holy of holies, dwelt in the temple. The glory of God was there. The glory of God uh, led the people of, of Israel through the wilderness for all those years. The glory of God was there, but today the glory and spirit of God doesn't dwell in a place. It dwells in a, he dwells in a people. The glory and the spirit dwell in a people. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, let's see it up on the screen. Not that one, but the next one. There we go. I made a mistake and put two of the same up there. Ephesians 2.19, it says, Paul's writing again, and he says, You Gentiles, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people, with the Israelites, with the children of Abraham by blood, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself 
as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. There's that word temple. So the people of God now rise to become this holy temple in the Lord. It's the people of God. It's not a place. And in him, you too, you also, are being built together, together, real important, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So we're taught that when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. Right? Amen? We believe that. But as Americans and and Westerners, we understand that more individually. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within me. But this says built together. There's this sense that the Holy Spirit indwells the corporate body. That's why Jesus said, when two or three of you gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. I'm there with you. The Spirit dwells in the gathering of the saints, not just individually, but corporately. And it isn't, it isn't just a, a physics thing where, well, I've got the Spirit and you've got the Spirit, and you, so when we all get together, there's the Spirit. It's not, it's not just that. It's that the Spirit loves the togetherness, that fellowship, that community of believers. That's why there's a trinity and not a oneity. There's three in one, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together, everlasting, in divine relationship and fellowship. And when believers gather, the Holy Spirit is there. It's not just an individual thing. It's a corporate thing. We become a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of Old Testament terminology here. A holy priesthood. They were the Levites. The other tribes couldn't go in and offer sacrifices. The sons of Aaron, the family of Aaron, they would go in. They were the priests. They were the ones that came before God and offered the sacrifices. They were the ones that took the sacrifices from the people. They had to be present. It's the priests. And Peter writes that we're being built into a spiritual house, what? To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, not physical blood sacrifices anymore because the greatest sacrifice has already been made. There's no need for any more sacrifices. But we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? Through Jesus Christ as we are the body of Christ and as the glory and spirit of the living God resides in us. 
So today, as we talk about a place, we can never confuse our identity with a place. When we think the church is this place, some things are true. Number one, we assume the work of the church is done here. We gather here to worship. There's some work done here. But the work of the church is when we go out into the world to be salt and light. And there is no, there is no unimportant part of the body as the body of Christ goes out into the world. Remember how Jesus saw the people as harassed and helpless? As sheep without a shepherd? That's how God wants his people, his body, to see people. When we think the church is this place, we sell our souls and we lose our identity. When we decide that we're going to take the identity of being part of the body off of us and put it on a building, we've sold our soul. You say, well, I'm part of the body, it's just that I go to the church. No, no, no. The body and the church are the same thing. The body, the church, it's a family, it's a flock. Um, it's the same thing. We can't sell our soul by leaving the, the identity of who we are on a place where we leave here and we go out and we're just us, devoid of the Spirit, devoid of the title People of God, body of Christ, the church, we're the church. When we think the church is this place, we abrogate our responsibility to the lost because we think the lost have to come here, that somehow here they can find God. No, they find God in us. They find God in us. God is in us, not in this place. We miss out when we think the church is this place on the work of God through us. See, God's working through us not this building. He's working through us. If we're here and we utilize this venue, well, then the church is doing it. But it's the church that does it. When we think the church is this place, we ignore the resident within who empowers us. We think somehow the Holy Spirit is here, but not in us. He's in us. And he's gifted us. So when you go tomorrow to work or in your neighborhood or to family or to some organization or school or whatever you do, it's the Holy Spirit's going. He's taking his body to that place to serve the world. When we think the church is this place, we live lives disconnected from one another. Because we leave and we all go on our separate ways and there's the church on the hill. We're disconnected. No, we're the church. We're one body. We're built together, 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 together by one spirit into one body. In fact, when we think the church is this place, we completely miss the whole Jesus body thing, which speaks of intimacy, that Jesus would want us to be him. He would want us to be him, part of him. We miss the whole Jesus body thing that speaks of trust, that he trusts us to do it. He's like, tag, you're it. You can be me on earth, and I trust you because I've given you my spirit. We miss the whole empowerment thing. I give you my spirit. I empower you. Go and do. Be me in the world. 
When we think the church is this building, we miss out on all that. That would be a tragedy. So having said that, we run great danger in the next few minutes of the service because we're grateful for the facility. We've, we've talked about a new sign. Community Heights Ministry Center. The church gathers here. We can't do that, right? Because then we wouldn't be a church. It would just be a ministry center. And people would drive by and they're like, is that a church or is that like a, like a worldwide organization and that's where the ministry headquarters is? How confusing. The church gathers here. My last church in Orange City, we actually didn't even have a sign on the building. It wasn't really by design. It was just by, I don't know, a mistake. The sign was never actually put up. There was just no sign. It was just a building that looked like a church, but there was no name on it. You didn't know until you went in. So we're grateful for the facility we have. And today we want to recognize some of the people who worked on it. Because this facility is a tool. It is a great blessing and a great tool for us to use. So there's a slide of the people who worked on this. The auditorium renovation team, Mindy Benson, Janie Larson, Sandra Richards, Craig Smith, Lou Vanderhart, Stephanie Van Manen, Josh Wormager, and Alyssa Wycliffe. These people got together weekly for months and they talked about what this room should look like. If you remember, they had those different colors over there. Everybody was excited because one of them was like plum or something like that. Some people, plum? We're going to have plum walls? It, it turned out pretty good, didn't it? These are the people that worked on it. Sound panel recovery, recovering, recovery or recovering? They recovered the sound panels. All those sound panels in that back wall, I think there's over 100 of them. They're big, too. They're like, you hold them, they're like big. They took down every one of those sound panels, and they took off the material, and they recovered them all by hand, personally, over a couple of days. Ruth and Hartog, Paul and Jeanette Fields, Diane Fuller, Courtney Griggs, Nedra Hur, Cheryl and Lydia Ness, Sandra Richards, Bev Smith, and Annie Urias. All these people came. They had two, they had two stepladders set up, and they had a pole in between them. And they had the ream of fabric on the pole. And they had eight-foot tables, and they pulled the fabric out, and they laid the stuff down, and they cut it, and they did all this stuff. They did a lot of work. So if you're here this morning and your name is on this, would you just stand so we could see that you're here and just say thank you? I know that there's some of you are here. Come on, come on. Just stand up, stand up. All right. Thank you very much. Now, there may have been people involved who are not on the list. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let us know and we'll, we'll make a revised uh, list and include your name on there. But there might be some that aren't on the list. Uh, but 
two, two people that worked really hard, spent an inordinate amount of time, were Joshua Mauger and Craig Smith. Craig was here almost every day in that month. He was here almost every day working, sweating, working, and sweating. So if you see Craig Smith, tell him what a great job in that auditorium. It, it looks wonderful. We want to pray a prayer of dedication over this place, but what we want to do is, um, for those of you who want to stay seated, that's fine, but if you want to get up and if you want to come and place your hands on the walls over here on either side or stand in the doorways over here where people will come in or come on up here and lay your hands on the stage, would you go ahead and do that? Just go ahead and do that right now, and then on the screen, there's going to be a prayer of dedication that we're going to pray, but I'll give you just a minute to just get around the room, get in different places. If you just want to stand in a spot, because there are uh, on one of the squares, tile squares, you know, there are going to be people all around this room. And we want to just recognize a really cool space. And while you're going there, I just want to remind you too that there's a lot of different organizations that use our facility here in uh, in the, in the area. The Christian Motorcyclists Association is here a couple times a year. Ironically, they, they are known as CMA, right? Christian Motorcyclists. Uh, they take over the place for a couple days in the year. Newton Christian School uses this. The Newton High School, for the football banquet that they have, and the FFA group meets here. Edward Jones has a client appreciation dinner here every year. The Chamber of Commerce, it's available to them for lunches and different events. And then, of course, every year we have the Blessings Banquet where we invite people to come in. And now that it's looking very nice, we want to use it and have it available to all different community groups so that our community can come in and, and be blessed by all of you and be blessed by this place. Would you join me in, in praying this prayer of dedication? It's going to be on the screen. And if you would, I know our eyes are not closed, but today we're going to pray with our eyes open, all right? Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, would you pray with me? We thank you in Jesus' name for the facility you have provided us where we can gather, grow, serve, and worship. In humility, we recognize how blessed we are. Help us to never take this space for granted. We give thanks for the gifted people in our body who worked hard to update and upgrade this auditorium. Holy Spirit, fill us with your empowerment and gifts when we gather here to love God and others, share the gospel message, and welcome people into your family. Today, we pray for those who have not yet been on this property especially those who are right now in Newton and our surrounding communities, without hope because they are without Jesus. We pray that you would connect us to them in relationships marked by love and service. We pray that you would help us to reach them with the gospel message and that they would come to you by faith and with repentance. May we, Father, love them so well that they belong before they believe, and that in their believing they become like Jesus. 
We pray that they would fill this room to worship, to pray, to praise, to learn, to serve, and to grow. Help us to have eyes to see people the way you do. Lord, you provided for us to prepare this room for others, to invite guests to belong, believe, and become. Help us to see this beautiful space, not for us, but for others, others you are bringing into your kingdom. We are your church, God. We are the body of Christ. We are indwelt by your spirit, empowered to serve, and commissioned as ambassadors of your Son. We recognize this building and these rooms as tools, ministry areas to gather as the church to worship and venues to use to reach our community. We pray the words of Peter. We come to your Son, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by you, God, and precious to you. We are like living stones, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to you through Jesus. For we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. We are your special possession, so help us to declare your praises, for you called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now you call us your people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received your mercy. And now, God, we dedicate this space and this entire facility again to you. May it be used to bring people into the kingdom of God through faith in your Son, Jesus. May your Holy Spirit empower us to that end, to be an outward-focused church, bringing those without hope to find their hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.